Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into 11 Personnel. Nick Roush here with Adam Luckett. 11 Personnel always brought to you by our good friends at Monticello Bank. We're today... We're joined by a very special guest. You've heard him call Kentucky basketball and football games for decades. Now you're hearing him on 11 personnel. It's the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. Tom, thanks so much for being on today. Uh, I feel like we run into you all the time, but never in a formal setting like this. So appreciate you coming on and chatting with us today. Happy to help out, guys. Well, I want to talk a little football and a little horse racing, but I want to start because we had some good questions from fans you've called games at a ton of places. Do you have a a favorite venue to call either a a UK football or a a UK basketball game? Football on the road venues, it's uh, Georgia. Um, And a lot of that is the, from the broadcaster perspective, um, most places we're on our booth is at the top of the upper deck somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so you really really high up, whereas Georgia, uh, it'll probably change at some point, but for now, it is still a flatter view. Uh, It's where we used to be at the UK before they um, renovated, and our uh, spot, we're actually closer to midfield with the renovation, which is nice, but um, that uh, angle at Georgia is a flatter angle, and um, I just like, you know, the the vantage point, Mm -hmm. and also there's a lot of, you know, History it kind of feels like the the quintessential college football Saturday venue, you know, down between the hedges, and they've got that bridge up on one end where people can stop and watch, and um, you know, usually, you know, it's an important game uh, mm-hmm. for Kentucky, which we're invested in. So, yeah, I'd say um, that's that's definitely my uh, favorite in uh, football, and in basketball, you know, no, no place uh, I love doing games in rough. I tell you, the, the, the one that would be at the top of the list, and I am a uh, New York Knicks fan back to the days of Walt Frazier and Willis Reed in 1970 when they won the title. And the few times we have gotten to do a game at courtside at the Garden is right probably at the top of my list just uh, for that connection to the New York Knicks. Um, Cal's first year, they played UConn there. And when we do the Champions Classic there, now it's a long-winded answer, but we do the Champions <laughs> Classic, we're up in what they call the hockey press box, which is much higher, yeah, yeah. and it's nothing special. But that first year Cal was here, they played UConn. John Wall was great. Kentucky won 64-61. Just a great game, big crowd at the Garden, at courtside. And that's I was really looking forward to uh, Kentucky being there in the Sweet 16 game this year if they had been able to get past Kansas State we would have been at courtside at the Garden at a meaningful game. So that's those are the two probably that are first off the top of my mind. Yeah, I think, uh, Tom, me and Nick are right there with you on the Georgia. Um, where we sit, I mean, it's like you're in the crowd almost. I mean, yeah. you're outside, 
You can just feel the energy of the place. You get to see all the fans walk in from the end zone and fill up the, the bleachers. Athens is kind of like if you were going to make an SEC town, that's kind of how you would draw it up um, with the stadium right in the middle of campus, um, with everything they have to offer there, um, yeah, and all the tradition and the history. Uh, yeah, it's right up there. I'm right there with you. I, I, I do think I know what would be the worst venue, too. I remember a recent Champions Classic where you all were at the United Center, and I don't think they make binoculars powerful enough to be able to see the court from up there in, in, in the rafters up at the United Center. Uh, where we were, we weren't as, as high up, but we're in the corner. And if you're, you know, from a broadcaster perspective, it's kind of, it's a, if you're talking about, you know, coming, going, left, right, you know, those kind of phrases that you use to kind of give people an idea of what they're seeing. It's, it's a little more difficult, more challenging from an angle. The two that leap to mind for being the, the worst uh, years ago, they did a test run for the final four games in stadiums with, and selling out the whole stadium. Mm-hmm. And they had that game called the Basket Bowl at Ford Field oh, between yeah. Kentucky and Michigan State. And we actually did the game from the football press box. So my choices were call the game through binoculars or call it off TV and maybe be a little behind. So we called it uh, called a basketball game with binoculars. And then um, <laughs> the, uh, the other one is Auburn. This should not be allowed in the SEC, should not allow this, but... Uh, they put and they put their own radio crew in the end zone too, and the, the radio crews are in the end zone. It's an awful vantage point to work a game, and you know if you're serious about football, and the SEC is that should not be allowed. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. This is uh, a, a little bit tangential. I know you'll do some. Will, will you be hosting for the national radio for NBC Sports again this year? No, they changed a couple of years ago, and I think they just take the TV feed on radio now. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, so uh, uh, and. It, Great time doing Triple Crown with the Horse Racing Radio Network guys, and uh, we had a lot of fun doing those oh. games. Got to do a few Derby walkovers, and I uh, think they just take the TV feed now. When you um, you you've been to a lot of race courses, do you have a personal favorite? Maybe, maybe outside of the home course there there at Keeneland. Yeah, outside of the you know the tracks here in Kentucky, Keeneland uh, would be at the top, and and Churchill. Uh, you know, it's kind of a coin flip, Saratoga and Del Mar. Del Mar, you, you've got the ocean right there, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful setting. Saratoga, I think the racing's a little better than Del Mar and just all the history. Uh, I went to Saratoga several years ago just as a fan, and you turn onto Union Avenue off the, uh, I can't remember if it's interstate or a state highway, and this was opening weekend at Saratoga, and there's a banner uh, proclaiming, you know, the start of the Saratoga meet, and uh, the when you see the date, I uh, said that that had to be around the time of the Gettysburg Address. It's like Saratoga opened two weeks after the Gettysburg Address. So, place wow. with that kind of history is pretty cool. Wow, that's <laughs> that that is pretty crazy. Uh, fast forward to the future, uh, this Kentucky football offseason. I feel like there's been a lot of changes within the program, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I, I know you probably aren't breaking down uh, the the season opener against Ball State, but do you think Kentucky addressed enough of its needs in the offseason to kind of fix the offense, for lack of a better term, in 2023? Looks like it uh, with picking up another tackle, but then, (coughs) excuse me, you lose two tackles in Wallabaugh and and Buford to the transfer portal, assuming they don't make a U-turn and come back. 
that, uh, you know, you, you, I'm guessing they might ideally like to find uh, another tackle just for depth purposes, or you're, you know, counting on somebody who hasn't been tested yet. And Nick Hall's just one that comes to mind that could figure more prominently in the mix. But, you know, you felt like they picked up the transfer from Southern Cal, Portland Ford, and he's in the mix to start. And um, I guess that's just the way it is, you know, to stay in time with uh, how the game is, the sport has changed, and not just football, but all of them. And it's going to be hard to hang on to much depth, it seems like. You know, it's hard. hard it's, I'm, I'm assuming it'll be hard for most teams to have a really quality backup quarterback because as soon as somebody gets beat out, they'll go somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Tom. Just like even covering the sport three years ago was vastly different than it is now. Um, what I want to talk about is I think what everybody's kind of looking forward to is not only Devin Leary, but who he's throwing to. When you look at Barry and Brown, Dane Key, Jordan Dingle, all this talent they have here. Uh, where would you, I guess, you know, just, we got to see these guys do it on the field, but just rank it from a skill aspect. It seems like one of the most talented wide receiver rooms they've had in recent history. Absolutely. I mean, probably the, the, the best in recent times, I mean, coach Brooks uh, tenure when they had Tammy as the tight end and Stevie Johnson, Keenan Burton, Dickie Lyons. Um, but uh, they've got even, you know, more depth, uh, you know, no guys have still got to get to that level, but they certainly seem to have the potential to do it. Dane, Barry, and et cetera. Um, and, you know, the tight end group. Um, so they have to, to prove it to the level that that group did. But if they can, it looks like they would have even more depth. It, you know, you look at offense, you know, they lose C-Rod, but there's a, uh, I'm intrigued by the kid who got hurt early last year, Ramon Jefferson, uh, Ray Davis, um, McLean. So um, you've got uh, guys there to have some depth and you, you know, you lose C-Rod, but, I think you're probably optimistic you can uh, be fine there. So it really, for me on the offensive side, comes down to how much improvement do we see in that offensive line. And if if it's significant, then they seem to have all the other pieces that you would want. It all comes down the line, Nick, doesn't it? I mean, that's just <laughs> what we – we can't get around it. I mean, we've just been ta- – I mean, yeah. the season's still four months away, and that's the one – you know, I keep coming back to at least. It's like, well, they got this, this, and this, but – can they block anybody? Like, can they do and it this? looks can better they, on paper all... than it did. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, last year you're trying to kind of, you know, uh, you're, you're moving horsey out because you don't have anybody that's better at tackle, whereas you take away, you know, you, you he was a, a serviceable tackle and he's an all-SEC caliber left guard. And so you have to – you know, weaken the guard position to make the tackle position better. And I say weaken the guard position. Jagger was solid, but he was a freshman versus a guy who had a lot of experience at that guard position. So now you've got the two guards back in their right spots. You've got two guys who are, you know, really legit tackles. They've got to still prove it at this level. And then Burton moves to center. And it seemed like they got increasingly more optimistic about how that looked over the course of spring. And, you know, all the it's on paper, it looks good and you'd like to have a little more depth, but it looks good on paper. It's just got to be proven on the field. And I, I'm optimistic that can happen, but it hasn't happened yet. So we'll have to wait and see. Before we, we move on to, to pick a few ponies for the folks I did. I always ask this of former players um, when they finish up their career, kind of 
when when you look back on it, what's the one game that stands out to you? You've called countless big Kentucky football wins under Mark Stoops. Um, I know that hopefully there's plenty more to go. But when you look back on this run, is there is there any one that really stands out above the rest where you probably didn't even realize it was happening as it was happening in the radio booth? You know, in recent times, uh, the the Citrus Bowl win where you not only they won a New Year's Day bowl game over a, a name like Penn State, but you had Benny uh, break the school rushing record, which goes back to Sonny Collins or went back to Sonny Collins. So that was a you know a big moment in a big game. Uh, when they beat LSU, number one team in the country, uh, when Coach Brooks was here. And then the the one that will always stand up for me is just the, the very first game I did in August 30th, 1997, Kentucky-Louisville. And, you know, when the Kentucky – in my very first game, and when the Kentucky quarterback throws three touchdowns against Louisville in the first quarter, you tend to sound better. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank yeah. you to Tim. That doesn't hurt, no doubt. <laughs> oh man, that uh, I, I still remember being a kid, and that was when before cell phones, and people would put the chairs on top of their cars to find the tailgates. And I remember how Mummy's first game, somebody had wrapped up a dummy as a mummy, and that was the the kind of beacon to to find their tailgate. I I, I enjoyed that that how Mummy era. That was. Whew, that was something else. <laughs> that was something else. Yeah, and and I'm always grateful to Hal. He was. Uh, gave me tremendous access, so I learned a lot uh, as a uh, first-time broadcaster at that level. Was there – because I know you, you kind of called games at the high school ranks. How did you get your big break where uh, you were pretty young starting out helping Kaywood Ledford out uh, in the booth? Yeah, I, was, I started in 89, so that would have been, would have been you know, what, 20, 28, um, doing uh, the scoreboard show. Uh, the station I worked at at the time uh, was WVLK, and they were the flagship for the Kentucky Network. And so that was kind of where I wanted to be, was there to try to get on the team, so to speak, for the UK mm-hmm. Network. And got to do the scoreboard show for eight years until um, got the chance to do play-by-play when Ralph uh, stepped aside from football in 97. And so, uh, you know, I think being on the team uh, was the strategy that worked for me. Uh, usually you have to, you know, go somewhere else and then come back uh, if, if it's fortunate enough, the timing and everything works out. So I was fortunate enough to be able to kind of stay at home and, and come up through the ranks and get the opportunity. And yeah, again, it's uh, part of it is just, you know, they would told me one time you sound better when they win. And, you know, when I started in 97, they started putting up a bunch of points with couch and yeast and those guys. And uh, it was a lot of fun and uh, fans were having fun. And so, they liked what they were hearing. <laughs> the team was <laughs> well, doing pretty well. You you were fortunate, and Kentucky fans are fortunate too, to be able to hear you call so many great hey. games over the years. Uh, we're lucky. We we get when we're traveling around the SEC, we get some of these hacks at the other schools. They might be your friends, but hearing the oh, we got it. I, I, it just it makes me <laughs> that that Georgia crew. When I got to hear them just uh, kissing well, their you own. Know, Larry Munson butts. is is Larry Munson's a legend. Late Larry Munson a legend in uh, sports, you know, college football broadcasting. Uh, and Larry, you know, was the we and they. And that <laughs> Kaywood was, you know, Kaywood was not that way, and uh, nor Ralph. And so that's who I kind of came up under. So it's, you know, it's, it's not a right or, or wrong, but it's, uh, you know, it's Kaywood always tell me, you know, it's okay if, if you're doing games for one team that the fans know that you want to see them win, but you still don't, you know, 
you, you know, we and they, it's, uh, you mm-hmm. know, they're on the team, you're not, you know, and um, <laughs> so that's kind of always been my approach, but it's kind of, kind of whatever, how, whoever you come up under, I think has a lot of uh, effect on that. And so I came up under the best. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, no doubt about cert- that. you're certainly one of the best. Uh, there is, and the Big Blue Nation, certainly grateful to have you around. Thanks. We're going to be extra grateful when you help make some picks this yeah. weekend, win some people some money, and KSR listeners, they can make some money by betting any track anywhere with Naira Bets. Promo code is KSR25. You'll get a free $25 derby bet when you sign up and up to $200 in deposit bonuses. Promo code KSR25 at Naira Bets. And Tom, there's old saying about teaching a man to fish versus giving him one. So I know a lot of people, they just want to be handed these these picks on me. a platter. Oh, man, that's me, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're when you're reading a program and you're what are you looking at to try to find one of these live long shots to, to hit a big price uh, at the racetrack? Well, if it's just a you know any average day as opposed to you know a race like the Derby, that's uh, there's so much more coverage of, and you get more access to you know uh, coverage of trainers and jockeys, etc. But just on an average day, um, you know, I, I uh, you can uh, purchase things like workout reports, which can be helpful. Like uh, kind of Bruno DiGiulio, I get I use his report and get some good access, good info there. Um, you know, the uh, racing form, I use the buyer speed figures. That's kind of what I've uh, grown up uh, learning how to handicap, uh, use those. And there are other kinds of speed figures uh, that you could use. Whatever you use, I think you kind of look for for patterns, look for uh, – here's a, here's an example with Will Levis. We'll use a, Will as an example. I said on the air uh, leading up to the draft, if you liked him after his first year, don't look at anything in the next year because that was kind of the equivalent of a throwout race. You know, yes. it's like drawing the, uh, that's drawing the 14 hole in a race with a short run to the first turn. You know, he had, uh, you know, subpar offensive line was injured early, young receivers lost his you know best running back to start a lot of factors, uh, going against him uh, to, negate the chances of being able to perform at your best. So if you liked him after year one, focus on that with horses. Sometimes, you know, if a horse has shown you he or she has the ability, then, you know, if you can find a way to discount the bad performances that are legit, sometimes you talk yourself into bad bets by uh, not (laughs) realizing the horse is showing you who they really are. But if you can find some legit reasons to excuse what looks like a poor performance, then you can, find you can and realize that it was actually a better performance than it looks on paper there's where you find the long shots there's a there's i was looking ahead for thursday and friday's races haven't got all the way into saturday but in the thursday feature uh the horse annapolis was five wins and two uh seconds and seven starts then he gets a bad trip in the Breeders' Cup mile, comes in 11th. It might end up being the favorite in that race, might not, but that's that's a great example of like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in, some, in some of these you just kind of got to toss it to the side, move forward. I know there's a couple horses you might be able to make that case in the Derby. Before we get to the Derby, the Kentucky Oaks is on Friday, and just looking at this race, Tom, uh, it might be more loaded than the actual Derby uh, field <coughs> the way that some of these have performed leading into the derby have you been able to take a closer look at the kentucky oaks to see who who could which philly uh might potentially wear the lilies friday at churchill downs 
Yeah, I do um, a podcast for uh, Keeneland's uh, Advanced Deposit Wagering site with their mutuals guy, Jim Goodman, and we do it all throughout the year on uh, on the weekends. And um, so we've actually already done uh, taped the one for Friday. And um, the three fillies I like best of the Oaks in no particular order are Affirmative Lady, South Lawn, and Botanical. And nobody, none of those fillies, or none of the fillies in the race have run any, you know, particularly yeah. impressive figures so yeah. that tends that that tends to lead you to think it's a more wide open race and you don't want a short price or the favorites in those kinds of races and affirmative lady is a horse that i look at you know sometimes you handicap the humans the trainer graham motion pretty conservative uh with his horses doesn't make a lot of bold moves and he put her in a grade two stake as a maiden and she almost won it so they clearly they had a high opinion of her Seems like mm-hmm. the last couple of races, the light bulb went on for her. And uh, Motion's not a guy that comes here every year for Oaks and Derby. And this is his first Oak starter in 12 years. So those kind of things are, are interesting to me. So I like Affirmative Lady. 13 posted, not great, but um, you know, you'll, be, you'll get rewarded for the price for taking a little risk. And so I like her. And Botanical's got speed. Southlawn, very impressive last time in their race at the fairgrounds. So in a wide open race, I'm looking for a little bit of a price at least. And uh, I'll probably put those three in a box. And if I had to pick somebody on top, I'll pick Affirmative Lady. Affirmative Lady ridden by Johnny V too. So uh, hard to go wrong there. I'm a big Grand Motion turf horse. He's got one on the turf. I can't can't toss it. Uh, but you mentioned <laughs> Botanical too. And that was Brad Cox. He's been exceptional in the Oaks in the last few years. Uh, Monomoy Girl and She Dares the Devil were both stars uh for him and wet paint's going to end up being the the morning line well it is the morning line favorite but botanical at four to one the horses steadily improved speed figures and four straight wins and really ran away from the competition and in, in the last two kind of building that lead down the stretch and i know um, for a lot of these horses it's all about getting that that extra distance um which takes me to the derby where there's a similar horse it's getting a little backside buzz. Uh, Steve Asmussen's disarm, where if you if you just check where it finished, Tom, hasn't been great. I mean, they had to put him in the Lexington just to get enough points to qualify, but has improved his speed figures every time out, posted a 97 Brisnet uh, in the Lexington stakes. And I, I don't know what it is, but it, I feel like it would be Steve Asmussen's luck to, to have Epicenter this close from the Derby winner, the front runner the whole time, arguably the best three-year-old, uh, the entire season, come up short and then win as a 15 to 21 long shot with disarm the following year. That would be far from the most surprising result that could come from this year's Derby for me. <laughs> I think that horse um, uh, is uh, looks really good. And yeah, I, I'm no workout analyst, but you know, you can just see athletes that uh, kind of have a presence or just seem to ooze confidence. And that seems like disarm when I've watched. Uh, the workouts or the gallops for that horse. And I, that's a horse that I think is going to probably run the best race of his life. Now mm-hmm. he's going to need to, cause the best he's run so far wouldn't be good enough. Right. And if he runs the best race of his life, it still could only get fourth or fifth perhaps, but also mm-hmm. could get, you know, first he, he's a horse that I think is a good, uh, a good horse to uh, key in like a trifecta to key mm-hmm. him in all three spots, maybe with other horses that you like, because at a big price, I think he, that's a horse that has a, definitely has a shot. You were at the bluegrass stakes when tap it tries went toe to toe with verifying. 
Uh, both horses got a uh, 102 speed figure. I, I'm checking Brisnet PPs here, but... Um, Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. That was, Verifying ran, I thought, a great race, the race he wanted to run. Um, was out ahead only Forte's the only other horse from the juvenile that's in there so there's a lot of good pedigree there but Tappet Trice was able to gut out it really guts I, th- I thought he I thought he made one move too early and then he ended up having almost two or three more uh, do you like Tappet Trice and and think that this couldn't it be in the horse to beat uh, in the Kentucky Derby yeah I thought the bluegrass was the best of the preps for me and I like Tappet Trice and verifying both uh, those two and two fills are kind of that the first bet I'll make on the Derby is a three horse box of those three. I don't, my, my stronger opinion on this year's Derby is who I, is more who I don't like than who I am certain I do. Uh, so I definitely want to look for a little price. And um, I thought Tappet Trice, you know, uh, probably second choice, I'm guessing, but he seemed to be to make a much improved run in the bluegrass and looks like a horse that like disarm. <coughs> on the track in the mornings just seems to, to be uh, just, you know, reeks of, of confidence when you see him mm-hmm. on the track. And uh, I think he, he's the horse that I have done a couple derby talks this week where I've said, if, if I have to make a bet on who am I most confident will be in the top three, I probably bet on Tappet Trice to do that. Um, the only thing is he likes to be, it's clear if you watch his races, he likes to be outside of horses. And he'll come from the back. I'm not worried about the five post, uh, him being down inside. He'll drop towards the back. It's just what kind of trip can he work out? The, the... Nope. Nope, we lost Tom, unfortunately. He was given to get to the outside of horses, and that's key for him. And so he's got to get to the outside of horses, I think, to have his best run. And, you know, can they can they do that? It's It's just – you know, you could uh, bet him and, and feel like he's the best horse after the race and he finished third. Uh, or he could get the, the ideal trip and, you know, win by two or three. Um, but uh... Just some connection issues. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. The Rob. scoop is so good, Nick, that the suits at Churchill are cutting us off right now. <laughs> with, with their ever-wielding power, they're cutting us off. Oh, man. Uh, they, they just don't want us making all the money, right? So they're... <laughs> <laughs> They're kicking Tom out. Yeah. Um, but there we go. Now we're we're rocking and rolling. We're good to go now, Tom. We uh, dropped out there for some reason, but uh, I, I was just saying I think Tappet Trice is a really strong contender. It's mm-hmm. just you know to get to the outside of of a twenty horse field, uh, you know it could be problematic. It just kind of and you you know you can't really know this until it plays out. If they bunch up and he has to go ten wide. Or does the field get a little spaced out and he goes, you know, six wide? You mentioned two fills. I think a lot of people before Rich Strike won last year would toss the Turfway horse on the all-weather surface. But um, obviously that's no longer a sort of disqualifier. But is there any is there any sort of concerns about just the the connections being so new to this 
Um, you know, I mean, this is a- not so much the the trainer. I don't think because he's been in the business forever. Larry Ravelli, uh, Jareth Loveberry's riding in his first Derby, so mm-hmm. that's you know maybe a, gives you a little bit of pause. But if it's the right horse, you know, Stuart Elliott won on Smarty Jones. There have been a lot of examples. Ronnie Franklin won on Spectacular Bid back in the day. So, uh, you know, if you're on the right horse, and the thing about uh, the the synthetic question, and it's an understandable question, did he just move up on the synthetic? Mm-hmm. But his sire, his dad, is Hardspun, and Hardspun won that same race, came back and had a very similar five furlong workout the week before the Derby, or actually the week of the Derby back in 07, and beat everybody but Street Sense. So, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think on the, the pedigree standpoint, it's certainly possible he could, um, you know, run big. So I was very impressed with that race. If he can run back to the race he ran at Turfway, then I think he's got a big shot. It's a consistent board hitter. Uh, mm-hmm. But you heard it here from Tom Leach. Two, he likes two fills, verifying, tap it twice. I'm trying to narrow my – list of uh, candidates down, but it's so hard because you can get talked into so many horses. Uh, but we appreciate you coming on here, helping folks uh, win some money this weekend, talk a little Kentucky football. Uh, I did uh, ask if, if there was uh, on how to find a long shot, but do you have, have you found any on the undercard yet uh, this weekend that you might like that say, hmm, we might be able to hit a big number here? So a horse in the turf sprint, I think it's on Saturday. They all kind of run together. I'm into handicapping the Saturday card for the podcast. Um, big Invasion in the turf sprint. I kind of like um, okay. Christo- Christophe Clement and Joel Rosario. I think that's on Saturday, maybe a couple of races before the Derby or three or four races before the Derby. But anyway, whatever it is, it's the Churchill Downs turf sprint, I believe. And uh, Big Invasion, it's probably the one so far that uh, price, relative to price, I kind of – uh, favorites uh, that uh, look strong, but uh, for a little bit of a price, maybe big invasion. That's the fourth horse in race number seven Saturday at Churchill Downs. Tom Leach here helping us all make some money. Uh, Tom, thanks so much for giving us some time. I know you're a busy man. You got to get back to your program and breaking it all down. <laughs> but thanks for for giving us some time and all you do for Kentucky athletics, uh, calling the best games that we, we we've grown to to know and love. And that might have just been perfect timing because it looks like his uh, internet's cutting out again. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll, yeah, um, I'll I'll just I'll shoot him a text, a thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, oh no, now LG and E is saying they need to shut off my power here for a little bit. So this this could get interesting <laughs> here on Eleven Personnel. But yeah, Tom, <laughs> thanks so much, thank you, Tom. See ya. Sorry, and, uh, uh, got a little wonky there, but uh, happy to join you guys, and uh, hopefully we'll win a little money this weekend. Yeah, happy Absolutely. derby. Happy derby, Thanks. Tom. Appreciate it. Uh, Tom Leach, the voice of the Wildcats. Look at, um, let's, let's talk a little bit more Kentucky football before maybe my power gets shut off and we're really in scramble mode. The transfer portal closed, and I well, what's up with this transfer portal? I thought there were supposed to be rules. Why is Buford hopping in after it's closed? Uh, the answer is like, you know, compliance doesn't work on Sunday. <laughs> I guess would be the. <laughs> but yeah, there. I mean, it's kind of a gray area, I would say. And like Nick, guys can graduates can just go whenever, right? It's true. They can just leave whenever. So they just there's no rules really on them. 
<clears throat> so yeah, it's just uh, um, the the they moved they snuck the window up on us. They moved yep. it up two weeks. I mean, I think why they did that is because now that all the decisions are going to be made in May. They didn't want decisions being made around Memorial Day. Uh, so I, now we're going to see, I think, in the next week or so, you're going to see a lot of guys making their decisions. For Kentucky this past week, a bit of a surprise with David Wollobaugh and DeAndre Buford entering in at the portal at the last possible minute even a week after the Cortland Ford news. So it looks like they thought about that long and hard and they decided to move on. And that knocks Kentucky down to six scholarship tackles as of right now. And I know depth is obviously a concern, but the way that I put it, look it is that you don't cut off your nose to spite your face. And Kentucky – can afford to sacrifice some depth to upgrade the talent at the position. Um, would you rather have Cortland Ford starting, or would you rather it be Flack slash Buford just to be able to keep Buford and Wallet Ball? Like I, 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 the 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 scales are tip. You just roll up with Cortland Ford. So, well, that's unfortunate, and you'd like to have at least one of those guys to provide some quality depth. Um, that's kind of you know as we alluded to in our when talking with Tom, like it's just very difficult to do that in the transfer portal era. Well, this would be a good time to do my weekly KSR Plus plug. Today, uh, this is Wednesday, every week. I wrote a, a post today that ended up going pretty long, but it was basically kind of the state of the offensive line. To me, in my opinion, where I'm looking at, nothing has affected the 2023 team. They have, I think, their seven guys that they're going to roll with. If you're getting into that, your eighth and ninth guy, most offensive lines are going to be uh, upstream without a paddle. Yeah. So you're going to be in trouble regardless. They still have their top seven guys. For better or worse, they're rolling with Cortland Ford at right tackle. Jeremy Flax is going to be their swing tackle. If something happened to Marcus Cox, they would kick four to the left. Jeremy Flax would play right tackle. I think Tanner Bowles is their third guard, and he's being pushed by Paul Rodriguez. And then Jagger Burton at center. Something happened to him. Eli Cox would play center. You know, mm-hmm. you've got, so you've got your backups. Where if any type of injury happens, you you know exactly what you're going to do. So you're rolling with that seven this year, but that's not even to me the question of the line. The question is talent development. Can they develop the talent on the roster? You know, let's throw the first year out for Zach Inzer. Third offensive line coach in three years. If you think Rich Gangarello was the biggest bum to ever call plays, what I mean, whatever. But now, like, the you know, now it's, you know, it's put up or shut up time, I think, for Yenzer. Like, he's got to be able to – he's got the pieces now. You've got to be able to play productive football at the line of scrimmage. Secondly, I think they're just built different. They're not going to just be – they don't have all these road graders on the line. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to – be a little bit more creative. and yeah. But I think they have some pass pro upside as well. So I think that helps. But the the big kicker to this, and that's this is my biggest worry, is just the high school recruiting, Nick. Mm-hmm. Since the class of 2019, you go three classes in a row, 2019, 2020, 2021, not, they have signed nine high school offensive line prospects. Jagger Burton, Eli Cox are the only players to be starters. Paul Rodriguez maybe, maybe might hit. 
Mm-hmm. Even if he does hit, that's a 33.3% hit rate. You've just missed. Like, Josh Jones is still on the roster, but we don't know. I mean, you don't ever hear anything of him. He was running with the threes during the spring. David Wallaball gone. DeAndre Buford gone. Jake Pope transferred to FCS. R.J. Adams transferred to Georgia Tech, then he transferred to Memphis. John Young is in the MAC. There's just a, there's just a lot of misses here, and I think that is the root of their problems to me. And how do you fix your problems? You fix them through recruiting. But it, this is not quarterback. This is not receiver. This is not safety. This is not cornerback. Like, if you're having to go to the portal and get two to three guys every year like they just had to do this year, you're just not – you're going to be in trouble. I mean, you're mm-hmm. going to have issues. So they have to get that fixed. They have to get it fixed through recruiting. And Yenzer has to show he can put together a, a solid line. And so the next six months, I think we're going to learn a lot. I mean, and it, the whole season is about this line. I mean, I I wrote that big thing, but I'm I'm sure I'm going to write a lot more about him, and we're going to talk yeah. a lot about yeah. him even before yeah. a game starts, because they are the season in a lot of ways. We know the defense is probably going to be pretty good. We think Devin Leary's good. We know the receivers are good. We know they got a deep tight end room, but can they block anybody? And, the, and we we think Liam Cohen is a good play caller, but can he do anything if guys can't block? Yeah. I mean, that's that's Kentucky football 2023 in a nutshell right well, now. Well, and to go back to the recruiting, uh, when they were getting recruiting hits, it was, I don't know, all Americans from the state of Kentucky. <laughs> they got pretty yeah. fortunate that Drake Jackson and Landon Young grew up a stone's yeah. throw away. And Can, you get Kennard and Fortner out of Ohio. They turned yeah. Georgia Safe J out of Ohio. They turned into draft picks. Yeah, yeah. They had, went from, you know, almost – 60, 70% hit rate to 30. Well, you know, that's that's not <laughs> – got to find somewhere in between, right? You got to find somewhere in between. Uh, that's the secret to the sauce. Um, but the recruiting, it's active. Uh, there'll be less the, – the visits uh, are really cranking up in June. Um, we'll have more of that when that comes. But first, I do need to remind you that Monticello Bank has been banking for the people – for 128 years, 128 years like it. That's almost as long as they've been running this Kentucky Derby. A long time providing service. And the best part, too, is now wherever you go, whenever you go, uh, the GoNBC mobile app is right there with you. So do what you should do. Monticello Bank, where people matter, 21 branches, 14 different markets. Their customer-focused financial service, which makes the numbers on your side of life a little bit easier, visit mbcbank.com. Monticello Bank, where people matter, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Uh, one of those official visits, Jacob Smith, uh, Zach Gagan just reported, Jacob Smith is officially visiting the same weekend Cutter Bowley is. That's significant in the high school ranks. And then also significant in the transfer portal ranks. It's closed for people to enter, but you're still recruiting all those guys. And here in two weeks, uh, they'll have, I, b- I believe it's two weeks like it, uh, Antonio Carter from Rhode Island, and then the linebacker, uh, I, I just keep wanting to call him Ragnar, from uh, from Northern Illinois. He, he, he might hit like the old Minnesota Vikings mascot. Uh, both of those players will be in for official visits here in yeah. a couple of weeks. Rayner, Devarin Rayner, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He actually shows up on the 11th, May 11th is when his starts. So that's just over a week away. And then I believe Carter is a couple days after him. And Carter is on record saying he took visits to Old Miss and I'm 
blanking on the other, maybe Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin and Ole Miss, and he's going to take one more visit, then he's going to decide. So Kentucky's firmly in the mix there. And then Rayner is a linebacker. He's got P5 interest. Kentucky is the only visit I've seen scheduled that's been publicized at least. So that could be promising. And so, yeah, they're not done. They're going to add a two, three, four more guys, I would imagine. They have the room, the scholarship capital room. And so they're going to add guys. It's just what guys do they add. You know, those are two to watch here over the next week. But they're not in, they're in a position, Nick, where, like, if this was a draft, they're not drafting starters. Like, their starters are established at this point after you got Cortland Ford. Mm-hmm. They're looking for depth. And they're not, and I think at these positions, they're looking for guys with multiple years of eligibility, guys that can be here for a little bit, not just a one and done. Because they they got enough one and dones for the portal to come in and start. Leary, Marcus Cox. Now that they need some depth, and some guys that can that are be here for a couple of years, and so I think that's what they're looking for. And I think Devaren Rayner and Antonio Carter both both fit that because they have two years of eligibility remaining. So they're probably guys that they would sell them on, come in, be a backup for gear, and you probably have a chance to start in 2024. It, uh, at least in the case for Carter, you know, he might be talented enough to to compete at the cornerback position, even right. though they've already brought in two transfers. Uh, we're in best available ta- territory. Just get the best players you can. You've got some scholarship capital. Don't want to take up too much with dead weight down the road. Um but if you can get some hits like they did late with Zion Childress last year, uh, it's worth it. it. It's it's totally, totally worth it. Um, look, it, it is I, – I, I hate to need to wrap a little bit early, but I think that's going to have to be the case because we might be losing some internet. But uh, I, am, I, I am capping early this week so we can get some picks out there. Uh, I'll have some of those on the site. But I, I mentioned them to Tom already, really like botanical uh, – in that Philly, uh, in the Oaks race on Friday. And, uh, man, he, something about verify. I, I wasn't going to, I got, you know, I like my guy Brad Cox, right? I was going to, I thought I was going to Angel of Empire, but I, I just keep getting talked into verifying. It's just, it, it just, uh, it, it's so tough for me to try to whittle this down. But if you do anything like it, whatever you do this weekend, for the, for the love of God, do not place any money on Rich Strike. I, I, you can just pour your money out, piss on it, and light it on fire, and you'll be doing better than betting on Rich Strike. Do not bet on the Kentucky Derby winner. Save yourself. Don't do it, Luckett. Please. I hope you just didn't get old takes exposed right there. I'd love to. <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to be hit with it. Um, but the, the Friday uh, card is, is pretty loaded. Um, getting ready to get into Saturday. If you're going to make a, uh, a bet to do the Oaks Derby double, it's just fun. Uh, just got to pick winners for each one. And uh, if, if a bomb hits, we, we could be having ourselves a, a very, very happy weekend here at Churchill Downs. Look, are you going to be able to make it to the track any this week? Any Thursday, Friday action? I will not. Ah. I will not be making the track, unfortunately. Nick, you know. You go have your fun, but I, I'll hold down the website for you. Someone's okay. got to be here in case something happens. So I will, I, I will wear that badge proudly, but I will be getting after it a little bit on Saturday. Don't you worry. I appreciate it, Lucky, because you know last week you were up to your shoulders in NFL draft content. I feel like that's uh, me right now with with the Derby, where you know I saw they offered the wide receiver kid, and it's like. Okay, I, I can only I, – I, sure, they offered it. Don't, but like I, you don't have the bandwidth for that right now. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'm in the middle of the program. Uh, I, here, here's a pick that I will be sharing on the website for Thurby. Uh, really like it's it. He, he's he's going to be kind of a live shot. It's the uh, the two in the race three. It'll be like ten to one, twelve to one. He's got a couple favorites. I like the two in race three on Thurby, and in race four, this is very inside. It's we have. Brad Cox, it's a sprint race. You got Brad Cox. He won a maiden. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Special out at Keeneland. Same race, ran like a 90. Wesley Ward ran almost the same race, same price, different day at Keeneland. Uh, like one point lower. One to one versus six to five morning line favorite. So a true duel between two horses. That'll be fun in race three. But uh, man, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, and um, oh, I had another one too that uh, oh, well, I, I'm posting them on the website. I normally don't do picks on the website but I'm at least going to have a couple uh, for two days along with my ultimate, my final derby selections. I can't get more than like five horses because that feels like I'm Cheating, right? Like you just come on. Yeah, you got to narrow it down to five potential winners here. Uh, but whew, I'm excited. I'm so excited. This is so much fun. We've got a lot of great stuff coming to the KSR YouTube channel. We hung out with Travis Stone, the Churchill Downs racetrack announcer. Look, we were on the freaking roof of the track. I, I felt like uh, I, I was like they let me up here. What, what felt the like a Churchill Down suit. Yeah, I mean it was it was really cool. That's coming out on the KSR YouTube channel tonight, and then. You know, as much as we see these horses out on the track, I mean, you've been to a racetrack. You've probably never been to a horse farm. So we're taking you to a horse farm. The horse farm where Tappet Trice was bred uh, to kind of show you what it's like for the first two years of a horse's life. That's dropping on Thursday. So a lot of great stuff coming to the KSR YouTube channel. And I, please subscribe. We're so close to 20,000 subscribers. I'm sure all of you all watching already are, but if you're subscribed, you're notified the instant we go live so you don't miss any of Tom Leach or any of other our great guests on the KSR YouTube channel. When Hunter Dickinson commits to Kentucky and Jack Pilgrim does a rapid reaction, you got to be ready for the takes. So subscribe <laughs> right now. Help us get over that threshold of 20,000, and we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Who? Is that it? You do it? Yeah. I got it. Scale we- up.